Boom, boom, boom. Do, do, do. Plugging in microphone. We're rolling. We're rolling. Looks good too. Looks too good. Furniture, huh? Yeah. A lot more comfortable than this one. Yeah, these chairs are not that comfortable. But, yeah, I like those pads that you got. I think they'll work out nice. They were very similar to the ones that I've used before. <clears throat> and that chair was comfy. Fuck up your conversation already, but I was thinking about this a little bit ago. It's like so quiet out here, aside from that shit right there. But it's not. You just listen to the fucking sound of the city. Just like, like I don't know if that's the, mostly freeway or if that's just like that whirring, the, whirring noise or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like a rumble. It's almost like the end of a thunder yeah. clap, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not totally gone yet but you still hear it just kind of bouncing off the mountains. Yeah, we're still... Is that mostly the freeway? Or... We're still... Is I don't that think just we're, everything? Like a fucking... I don't think we're that close to the freeway. Isn't the freeway on the other side of that mountain? Is it... It's gotta be... I think it's on the other side of that mountain. I mean, it, it's probably just collectively everything. Yeah. I, like, I just yeah. heard a freaking motorcycle in there. So we're we're like we're still close enough to the city. So I, I know we're it's all like reverberating. Right there, but it's like so fucking constant and just—it's frustrating me. That's what I'm getting it's like at. A, it's because I love being out in the middle of nowhere. Like the, not so much. I hate the desert. I really do. This doesn't. My sister thinks this is so pretty, and I don't. It's just so. We're just used to this. I guess. It just looks like the edge of the city to us. So that's why if I you like get Mount out, Charleston. Like, oh. That Mount Charleston's really cool. Like up up north where I go hunting, it's like it's kind of barren like this, uh -huh. but it looks different. Like there's some there's some quakey, some trees up there, like in tiny little patches, and there's like a lot of like thick um, sage and stuff. But it's just like big like rolling hills and, and you're so literally out in the middle like. of nowhere. Is there, is there green, though? Trees? The sage. I mean, this is all green, too. The sage is, like, yeah, the sage is kind of similar to this, but it's not, like, like super lush. It's desert still, but it, you uh... I see it. I like it when there's at least, like, Joshua trees and shit like that around. It's kind of cool, but just growing up in the mountains, I just love the trees, like, being in the thick. You, you really can't see that far. Maybe that's, uh... I don't know. Maybe it's a... I like that too. I like just like walking through the woods. Uh huh. You just feel like you don't know if you're right next to something or far away. That might be it. I mean, right here, it's like, yeah, you can see so far, and it's almost disconcerting. Whereas, like when you're in the fucking forest, and especially like when you're in a place where like, there's like the mountains and or stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you really can't see much more yeah. than like, hundred feet. Yeah. Away from you. But, um. Yeah, did you know that, uh, like, the Arctic is a desert? Like no. Antarctica is a desert. 
Meaning what? It's pretty much this, but it's frozen? Dry. Deserts are defined by being dry, not hot. A lot of people think that the desert means that it's hot, but the desert is actually defined by its dryness. And what's dryness? The amount of precipitation and stuff that it gets? Or? Yeah, I guess. Because, I mean, I don't know, I picture the Arctic, at least, on maps and stuff, it's like white. Yeah. Snow. Would not be, would not be ice and snow. So what? It just yeah. sticks around. It's just forever? ice. Yeah, I think it's just mostly just ice. Like on certain, certain spots down there. Yeah, I think it's just, just ice. It just stays like super dry and cold. That's interesting. So by definition, like it's, it's a desert, or yeah, yeah, it just stays like so cold that it never, like melts, and it's never, it's never like wet or moister. be a hard life out there. There ain't much out there. Kind of temperature, isn't it? Uh, I've seen in some penguin documentaries talking about it getting to like negative 200. What? Yeah. Really? Can you even live in that? Penguins apparently can. Not people, yeah, not people. Negative 200, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Super weird. That's why like at like certain times of the year or whatever the penguins all just huddle together and they just don't move they just are squished together that's the life I wonder if they're ever like man we should move to Vegas uh, <laughs> go live with Wayne Newton <laughs> he's got penguins nice out getting much cooler I'm excited for the winter I think we're going to get a lot speaking of snow I think we're going to get a lot more snow up on Mount Charleston this year I think I would like to go we don't have a four wheel drive though we went once and the forerunner was sliding around quite a bit just on the road or you went no we went off we just went off and it was it had already snowed. It wasn't snowing yet. And we just went off on this little side thing where there's like some hills and stuff like that. And we just went out and went sledding and stuff. Nothing real big. But then it started snowing while we were up there. And you could see a pretty decent layer of snow Slippy on the ground. Snow. And when we were going back out to get up on the road, it was like a bit of a hill. Mm. And Caroline was freaking out. Yeah, we're like going sideways. I was having a good old time, but at the same time, in the back of my head, I was like, "Fuck, we're gonna be stuck here because I can't get up this hill." Yeah. We're just fucking going side by side. And it's like, yeah, like, like fish yeah. trying to get up this hill. Yeah, it's like She's scary. Like, like certain times, you have to like just get momentum and hope like there's no cars. That's pretty much what we did. Was tried yeah. a couple times, and then we fucked up the snow so much that kind of just went over we the same track. To, yeah. Backed up a little bit and took off again, and finally we got up there. But at the same time, I was like, man. I kind of don't want to drive back down the mountain. <laughs> and this, this is freaky, but yeah, just two-wheel drive. Yeah. It's not cool. I had a two-wheel, my, my Corolla was two-wheel drive in Colorado. I think it was great. It made me yeah. fall in love you with two-wheel drive. Got all the weight in the front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, front-wheel drive cars do fairly well in the snow. Um, but yeah, it's amazing um, what a difference those extra two wheels make. And it's like, 
crazy. Like you'll come up, it'll be like something small like that. You just come up to just a slight incline. Uh-huh. And I, before I had my Forerunner, when I had my Tundra, it was two wheel drive. And I've been places where, uh, in like Utah, where like my friend's parents lived in a neighborhood that was like inclined. Mm-hmm. And we went, it like had snowed there and there was snow around, but the streets were all clear. And we like went to a movie, and when we came out, it had been snowing for the last couple hours, like the whole time we were in the movie. Mm-hmm. And leaving, it was all the roads were all snowy, like just with like a little bit of snow, um, but like really slick, and like it wasn't enough for like the snow plows to go through yet. And they usually don't go through till like the morning. And like I almost didn't make it up the night. I had to just like get speed and go. And even though I was like going with some speed, I was still kicking sideways here and there and just mm-hmm. had to like rrr, 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 work my way up and just kind of throttle it all the way up the hill it was pretty crazy and it was scary too like the next we were leaving like the next day and driving out on the freeway mm-hmm. there was like multiple spots where cars had slid off the freeway and there's yeah. like things stopped and like it was a little bit sketchy um yeah it's it's amazing i love just knowing that i have four-wheel drive for when I need it and I've gone like some crazy places so I've pushed it so I know like what it can handle so right for like simple driving stuff I know like what I can safely do and what like risks I can take that makes me want to have one now just to it's, have it's yeah you know, it's I love the Mustang and I love being able to slide around but I imagine there's times when you don't want to slide around so much. yeah yeah you're cool. like all right so, you know what, that was take, fun let's take the phone around let's live now <laughs> yeah that uh, the house I showed you in Colorado, the the road, uh, the main road was up, probably like the equivalent of like four stories, and so the dirt road that went up was very steep getting up to that, and then there's a bridge there because we had to cross the river in order to get to the, the highway, and that was fucking gnarly scary because the bridge was just everything the whole road was just one car wide. Yeah, and the bridge was one car wide, and it just had, it didn't have any walls. It just had the uh, big railroad ties, like yeah. the big like I want to say like it's eight by sketchy. eight. <laughs> Still not much, and especially like in the yeah. rearview mirror, you not a see gate. It. Yeah. So you would go up this thing, and you you knew you had to kind of do it fast when it was snowing and stuff like that. Fucking steep as fuck, but it was like windy too. So like you go up and you get some speed, and you go up and you cross the bridge. And then it got really steep after the bridge, and then you so start like, to lose going. it, and then you start to slide backwards, and you're like, fuck. And then it's like the bridge wasn't straight with the road, so you're not just coming straight back down. It's like you're starting to slide, and there's like so many people that would come down, and they would like kind of go off uh, and get like stuck on the corner of the bridge. But it's like, oh my god, the bridge was fucking high, too. Was, yeah, I would imagine that it went probably pretty far down to the river, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty far. I mean, I don't think it was like death, but I mean, it's your car's fucked that's for sure yeah and that was yeah or if you get trapped and nobody sees you in a snowstorm or you go into the river or people something. are gonna see you there luckily unfortunately there was only six houses down there so <laughs> it's not a whole lot of traffic for people to see you but you would definitely see the tracks in the snow coming back down and since everybody lives down there they kind of know what it takes to get up there that's actually what fucking infuriates me the most is I told you that the house that this is all gonna be fucking wasted because they have no idea what I'm talking about the big ass mansion that they built 
they paved that whole road from their house up before it was dirt. It's like dirt behaves so much better when it freezes over. Yeah. Then they freaking paved it yeah, going like up that. I was like, are you kidding me? And I doubt <laughs> they decided to heat the whole thing. I mean, if they did, great. But they're Maybe not going to they heat the whole... Hopefully. Hopefully they do something because, man, I cannot imagine living there with that paved in the winter. Yeah. It's like, oh, now we got an ice skating rink to get up to the main highway and it's still the same yeah. freaking... It's pretty crazy, though, when it gets, like, cold enough and the ground freezes... Like, it'll get, like, that up in the mountains, and, like, uh, I've gotten, like, stuck before, and you're, like, trying to get out, and you, like, dig, you, like, try and break away the snow and the ice so you can get to the dirt and get some traction, and you get through, and it's, like, conk, 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 and the ground is just, like, hard and frozen, and it's, like, wet from everything, and it's, like, it's, like, wet asphalt, basically, because it just turns the ground into asphalt. But, uh, yeah, having, having, even if you have two wheel drive, uh, having traction boards is amazingly helpful. You can get out of like most, most things. Does it have to be, with have to be deep though in order for this to work? The traction I mean, boards? Yeah. I mean, some of them are kind of shallow, so it didn't seem like it would work for anything, but. I swear, like a lot of them are almost like ramps. They're like thick. So they are, they but have they're to tapered. Be, like, buried in mud yeah. or something. No, yeah, they're tapered. So you just, and they got like nubs at the edge. You just wedge it in there. Mm -hmm. Or worst case scenario, you get your jack out and jack up the vehicle a little bit and just set it underneath it, lower it on top of it, and then you can go. But usually, you can get enough movement when mm -hmm. you're like stuck to where you can just put it in front back up a little bit, get a rolling start, get onto it, and then gas it when you're onto the ramp, and it'll push you a little bit if you're, like, just trying to get back onto the road or something. Like, that stuff's, like, super helpful. And I've, I mean, I've had to use it. Even if you have four-wheel drive, you get into heavy enough snow or mud or whatever. Like, any, any rig could get stuck, and it's just, like, it's so helpful to have. You have a shovel in those, and you can, like, self-recover out of most places. fun i i enjoy it like i i enjoy getting stuck at least like once a year <laughs> sounds ridiculous i know it's like stupid but it's like it's exciting because like you there is like a little bit of fear like fuck like i don't know am mm -hmm. i gonna get out you've but, got some experience though i imagine the yeah. level of fear is completely different it's, i have like me I have if i got more, stuck i'd be like fuck i've never gotten out of anything like this yeah so. i have a more like controlled sense of it now to where I have an, okay, I've been here before. Mm -hmm. I know what it's going to take. It's going to be a pain in the ass. I'm going to have to shovel for an hour, but I can get out for sure. And then there are times, though, but it's, there's, it's, you're walking on a hair, though. It goes from, okay, I'm a little stuck to you slide two feet over and now you're in this ditch. Okay, that's way more complicated. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Am I going to get out of this one? Like, and it seems, and like, Mother Nature always can win. And, like, she always has a bigger task for you, and, like, you will always be humbled. Like, everybody that I've seen, I don't care how much experience they have, they've gotten stuck, you know? It's, like, the more you know, the more you push it, and, like, the deeper you get stuck, you uh -huh. know? It's, like, uh, I had a buddy that told me when I went, I, I told him I was excited because I got a four-wheel drive, and I was, like, oh, I'm not going to get stuck anymore, like, in my two-wheel drive, and he's, like, no, that's not how it works. He's like, you'll just get stuck further out. 
and it'll be harder to get out. And I was like, oh. And so that kind of stuck with me. So I think about that now. And so when I'm like going to go, it's not this like, oh, I have four wheel drive. I can't get stuck ever. It's like, no, you just get deeper into the weeds. And then when you do get stuck, it'll be a real pain in the ass. So is that pretty much a rule? Like the desert, not like this kind of desert. Like I see people out in the sand, like in the dunes and stuff like that. You just never go unless somebody else is there or you go in packs because like you got a winch. So that's cool. And out there, there's nothing to tie it to. Well, they have ground do. anchors. What, like you just dig a little hole or something? Like, um, yeah, there's something different or? There's different kinds. There's uh, there's this one uh, company, what's it called? Uh, shoot, I can't think of the name right now. They have this ground anchor system that looks like a giant shovel mm-hmm. with this like framework on it and you basically just kind of shovel it into the ground and then when you start winching it just pulls it deeper and deeper into the ground Mm -hmm. and then anchors itself and then you just winch off of that and then there's and so that one's kind of nice because it's like a and then when you're done you go around to the back and hook up to it and just back up and it just pulls it out there's an attachment point to yank it out so you don't have to like spend time trying to dig it out um really really cool thing and it like folds up it's like collapsible Kind of picturing, um, we've seen old fashioned like plows, they would yeah. like pull behind mm-hmm. horses and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like, like that. that. It looks it's exactly got this like giant that. Giant tooth that basically mm-hmm. digs into the ground. It's exactly what it looks like. Uh, Pull Pal is the name of that. Shout out to Pull Pal. I've never used one, but I've seen a lot of people use them and they look really awesome. Uh, and then there's another company um, called uh, Dead Man Off Road, and they make it's just a it's not a promising name big piece of name. it's a big piece of material like super thick heavy duty like nylon type material like rubberized nylon material with big heavy duty straps on it uh-huh. and you can it's a multiple use thing you can either wrap it around like a big boulder if you're somewhere you know moab or something and there's big rocks everywhere you can wrap it around that and then use the straps and hook your winch to that and pull yourself out uh-huh. or you can bury it they have specifically designed attachment points so that you dig a hole, lay this thing in the ground, bury it, mm-hmm. and then the straps that you use like anchor it solidly into the ground <clears throat> and you can pull yourself like in sand dunes or over a hill or something if there's no spot for you to winch off like a tree. Uh, and then when you're done, it's kind of similar with the other thing. You hook up to these different straps that when you pull on them, it like folds it up uh-huh. And it like slips out of the dirt easy, so you don't have to um, undig it. Um, it was basically an answer to a, like an old school trick uh, that a lot of off roaders would use um, back in the day before ground anchor recovery tools came out. Is they would pull their spare tire off, dig a slot in the ground big enough for the spare tire to lay down into and then hook their strap through the hole in the center and around the spare tire and bury it and then winch off of their spare tire. But that's a lot of digging and it's like super pain in the ass. Can you imagine freaking digging in this down to big enough to fit a freaking 35 inch tire or 40 inch tire or whatever? Be a pain in the ass. And then you gotta lift your spare tire. These things are heavy. But yeah, so the the dead man off-road one folds up nicely and can fit under like a car seat or something. Boom shakalaka.
off-roading. Froden. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't, I've been so busy with stuff lately. I haven't like gone out on like an actual full off-road trip. We went out last, last weekend. Uh, me and Izzy went out up to Mount Charleston and I took some, took some pictures. I still got to edit them and go through them, but, uh, there's some cool ones. There's some of the high mountains that are out there are already like covered in snow. So I'm feeling pretty hopeful, but we went out on the road that I normally go down when it is snowing and took this little side thing and drove out there and got out a little bit in the dirt and then walked around and sat out there. It's so nice. It's just so quiet. And like, it's crazy. Cause like the, not only is there not that much noise, but like the forest ground, like the, the woods ground and like the trees and everything like absorbs noise. Mm -hmm. So like any little sound, it's like, it's just like when you're talking, it's just like super dampened. Like nothing's echoey. It's like, how far away is this? Can we go there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's at Mount Charleston. So it's like oh, okay. probably an hour drive from here. It's a little rough, but not terrible. Yeah. But it's super cool spot. Easy to get to. It's, it's not that bad. 45 minute to an hour drive. Do you know if we have any listeners that have businesses? Yes. Yes? Like small businesses? Any kind of businesses. Just, I just want to talk about the, the whole customer service thing that we were talking about before we got here. Oh, yeah. I'm itching to talk about it, but yeah, I don't we really got, know. We got a couple of guys. Um, that dude in Arizona that I made the apron for said that he started listening to him. Uh, that one guy in Boulder City that we that messaged both of us, uh -huh. he listens or he said he was listening to a couple in the beginning, um, and then I feel like there was one other one, two that you said like contacted you or something. I'm trying to remember if the people that I, I talk to actually own something or just want to. I kind of want to reach out to people though, get their input on the whole customer service thing. We're talking about earlier. We were talking about we're both trying to branch off into making furniture. Are you planning on doing it professionally, as in like see if you can make a career out of it or not? Yeah, I mean, all, I'm all things like fabrication, but uh, furniture has definitely caught my interest. Making custom shelving and cool slab tables and right. epoxy stuff and like just really neat things that just I've seen. Put your foot like in the water and see if you can make some money out of it, right? Yeah. Which is kind of where I'm at. So I've got some plans to make a chair as my first project and it's exactly that just to one, you know, make something because it's fun. And if you know how to make stuff, it's just, it's, it's incredibly... Yeah, it's a good feeling it's an to just accomplishment. make something out of, yeah, out of nothing. So if if all goes terrible, you know, and I can't actually sell this thing, you know, I got a really cool chair, and I could be like, yeah, I made that chair. That's cool. But at the same time, earlier we were talking about customer service is going to be huge, and then quality and what it's going to be like, you know, shipping this thing out and making sure your shit doesn't break, first of all, and probably more importantly, you brought up, what if it does? What if you ship out whatever it is, your freaking table or something, and just 
it's it's not as good as you thought it was going to be and it just kind of falls apart yeah or not even like because like I'm pretty confident in the work that we can both do like you know and and we're we're so hard on ourselves when it comes to quality that like we're not going to release like something that is going to like fall apart when you sit on it is like it's not so much that it's like uh we had talked earlier about using of like pre-manufactured parts like if you need to get um some bearings for something or you need like some rollers for a certain design you're gonna do or even more extreme if you need like a motor like a little actuator mm-hmm. and you like want something to move a chair to move or a table to move or whatever you know what happens uh if you get this product it seems like a good product you didn't you didn't make the thing the motor or whatever you get it it's got good reviews whatever um you do your due diligence and try and test it the best you can but you know you put it in in a chair and it goes good everybody loves it you sell a bunch of them and then you find out six months or even a year in that that motor's garbage and it's a giant piece of shit and they fail consistently at six months or something and now you have to warranty these things you know based on having good customer service having somewhat of a warranty whether it is six months or two years or three years or however you want to do it but you know typically somebody's going to be buying a product that is going to be like that electric or whatever they're going to want some kind of a warranty that's just how all of products are nowadays so yeah i would would think that warranty is kind of assumed with most things yeah i mean even in the amazon world i mean you buy something if it's garbage amazon will let you return it yeah so that's that's really terrifying to me is it's not something I considered. Basically, uh, my mindset was what you just said. I was like, what I build, I'm sure it's, my welds aren't going to fall apart. That's yeah. going to be fine. I'll, I'll take the time, you know, with the upholstery and stuff like that. All that will be good. So basically, your typical uh, craftsmanship is warranted. Yeah. But the outside-ness of, like, motors and stuff yeah. is really freaky to me. Right now, I'm thinking it's probably not that big a deal because... You know, I'm making my first chair. Mm-hmm. So when I sell that, that's going to be my first sale. And so I'm not going to have to worry about like 100 chairs coming back with busted motors and having to figure out how to finance the replacement of all these motors. So is that even something we need to worry about right now? Or definitely it's, something it's, to It's keep not in mind? something that need to specifically like worry and get down about right now, but it's something to keep in the back of your mind for usually when stuff starts selling starts taking off it's kind of a snowball effect you know Mm -hmm. it can be somewhat overwhelming it starts happening and I just don't want to be in a position myself where I make some things make a cut even if you made five you know you know not even not even a hundred if you made five chairs people loved them they bought them and then six months down the road, they come knocking at your door. You got a full plate with whatever your full-time job still. You're working. You're making other chairs or other tables or something. Now you got five things you got to repair right now mm-hmm. and get back to them while you got this other stuff going on. So you're losing time and money there. Plus, you got to pay for a replacement part, find a new one that is going to be better. You know, probably going to have to pay more. And it's just something to to keep in mind and not get 
I think just not get ahead of ourselves and fully commit with like a bunch of pieces mm-hmm. that we're unsure of, you know, maybe just do more rigorous testing, you know, maybe some more research then more Rather research. Like definitely the chair that that's, that's a really interesting thought. Because it's it's a totally different thing. It's like a totally different mindset when you go from buying something for yourself than buying something mm-hmm. for a product you're going to be putting out there that's going to be out there for years and years. Because it's like for us, it's like, oh, I want to make this custom door on my car or this custom table that's going to lift up for my office. And I'm like, ah, you know, this uh, linear actuator has good reviews on Amazon and it's, you know, $50 for a set of two. Like, perfect. You get it, you throw it on, it's no big deal. Because if it breaks, it's your thing. You get new ones, you fix it, whatever. But when it's off and it's out there, uh-huh. that you know that has your name on it. That and that's right. like a huge thing for me. You know, having putting my name on something and putting it out there, I want to make sure that it's the best quality. If somebody's going to be paying their hard-earned money for it, like I know I'm putting my hard time into it, my hard-earned money into getting materials for it. When I buy something from somebody else, I expect it to be top quality because you know we're all we're all working we're all making money and trying to spend it the best we can and nobody wants to waste their time working for something and pay for a product that sucks and so it's yeah it's 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 almost more so like the name and the embarrassment of having the product break in the first place than the whole warranty thing you know i don't ever want a product to come back and which i mean of course if you make a lot of stuff, it's it's inevitable. It'll something will happen eventually, especially if you're working with outside sources. But yeah, I want to keep it down to like bare minimum, as nothingness as possible. I guess it's a shitty reality. Yeah. Shitty reality that you got to keep in mind too is that people people rarely it happens, but people rarely write good things about things that happen because it's kind of expected. Maybe that's yeah. just it. It's like you buy something, you expect it to work out perfect. You know, in their head, it's just like this is going to be awesome. They're they look at the seat, using mine as an example, and it's like, okay, that seat's cool, and they're not thinking about anything, you know, failing on it. And when something does, they're more likely to write something bad about it than if everything went fine and it works perfect. To, I mean, they're just not going to be thinking about it. It's not like people aren't shitty you know it's just yeah when things go the way you expect it's not like wow i really want to unless you have something you know awesome about it it's like the comfiest chair ever or something yeah and somebody might yeah yeah it's got to be like super 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 over the top but yeah i think typically people are busy just enjoying the product and then like i mean that's i know that's how i get it's nothing like against the the person but if i get something that i like i'm gonna just enjoy it Uh i'm not gonna be like taking all the time out to go and find a thing and write about it but yeah it it is when somebody when something bad happens people are eager to get on there and so then the goal is just that it's to do a perfect job and it's really sad too because like i already have kind of jumping all over the place i don't think anybody really knows but we were talking about linear actuators because the chair i'm making is going to recline and i'm trying to make that super simple so it doesn't break and it's just going to have basically a motor. A linear actuator is basically just an arm that extends. And so it's going to push the chair out. And that's how the whole thing works. So kind of everything depends on that linear actuator. And I already have one. I bought it for a cat food feeder that I was going to make a little bit ago. But I don't want to get into that. Uh, but I already have it. 
And like you said, when you're buying something for yourself or you're going to make something, this cat food feeder was going to be on our wall and it didn't matter if it ever failed. I mean, our cats will starve and die, but whatever. <laughs> but it was still for myself and it was just something I got on eBay. It was really cheap. And now having this conversation, I'm like, I don't want to use that yeah. for this because I do plan on selling the first chair to someone else. I mean, that's the, kind of the idea. I want to make it, I want to build it, I want to have the fun, and then I want to be able to sell it and, you know, just see what I can get out of it and see if that's, this is the beginning of Man Candy Creations furniture line or something. But now I don't want to use that anymore because I'm terrified, especially the first chair. I don't want right to, it's like a flop I put a $20 linear actuator in there and most of them were like 50 bucks and this one was like 15 so it was perfect yeah. for what I needed but yeah because it's always you always have to uh, yeah you always have to like overbuild things for their purpose it's like will the linear actuator be strong enough to just push the feet up and recline the chair yes but what happens when the grandkids come over and they're jumping on the thing that's extended mm. and putting wear and climbing on it and the dog's jumping up on it, you know? Right. You know, obviously, you, if a freaking adult comes and jumps on it and it breaks, like, yeah, that's, like, one thing. But, you know, life is full of different things. And when you got kids crawling around and doing stuff, like, stuff needs to be tough to hold up. It's a hard environment. So how does one test when they're in our position? You made a, a badass shelf for your bathroom. I don't really think you need to field test a shelf. I mean, you can pretty much just yeah. look at the welds and be like, "This is good." But yeah, I once mean, you start stand getting on, into usually, stuff, I usually stand on or do a handstand on my products to, to like test the the strength of it. Like if it's gonna be a bench or like a stand to hold up a tank or something, I'll usually like stand on top of it just to make sure it's gonna and I'm I weigh more than whatever's gonna go on it so I basically just weight test it just but besides that just to make sure there's no wiggle or something um so have you ever seen but, like cars car companies testing cars they got like these hydraulic rams and stuff and they're, they're allowed on like they put a whole car on a platform the platform's like wiggling around and stuff mm -hmm. like that it's like yeah so basically like I want to make this chair and I do want to like use it for a little bit but I don't want it to be in the house so long that it's a worn chair it's yeah it's used now <laughs> Yeah. I don't want that, but I mean, so how do you test it? We're basically going to have to come up with a design and make the chair and then just basically beat the shit out of it. Like, put weights on it. And I was like, okay, this is basically a wasted chair. This one is not going to get sold. This is just my testing one, and this is how everything's going to work. So you can kind of test all that. Put in like well, yeah, I think I think testing... Doing body slams you can, on you can test thing. And, specific things. So, like, like you said, like with the car, like for certain things, they'll put the whole car on a thing, but... In certain tests, they just have the suspension attached to a thing. Right. And they just pound it up and down to see how long it takes before the shock blows out. Right. So you could do something like that where you basically make the same geometry, but it's not a chair. It's just the same metal brackets connected up with the arm sticking out with the lever, and you just work it back and forth, back and forth, put a stack of plates on it, work it back and forth back and forth see if that motor fries jumping down up, up and down on it see if it messes it up pull it in you know all the welds and the motor and the angles of everything is proper so you're not actually testing the chair you're testing the component of the chair because right. you know that the steel base isn't going to break uh -huh. you know that your cushions are going to be fine so there's no need to like waste making a whole chair just mm -hmm. to test the one piece you want to test 
And then when you put it into the thing, you know it's going to be good. But when you got moving parts, you kind of do need to test the whole thing as a unit. Like, well, I might have to make up... The chair is basically just going to have some switches, you know? But you've been in the movie theater. Mm -hmm. Exact same freaking thing. I still want to crawl under one of those and see how they work. Because I feel like that's got to be the epitome of this has to work a really long time. Yeah. And getting kids pushing the buttons back uh -huh. and forth. and Yeah. For but sure. In essence, the... The mechanism is going to be the same. There's going to be an up button and down button, so the seat, you know, kind of reclines and does the exact movie theater thing. So it's almost like we got to come up with saying we, because I talk to you about this shit most, but come up with an electronic circuit or something where I can just make like a, a sand dummy, put a big heavy dude in it, <laughs> and I just hook up the thing to where it can just go up and down all day long. Once it goes down, it goes back up, back down down and you put like a counter on it somehow so you come home from work and it's tick, like oh tick, it's got tick, tick, 755 tick. actuations on it today and you just keep doing it until it finally breaks and then you come home and you look and it just seized know, up your house somewhere. is on fire and <laughs> the motor erupted in flames because i mean there is and like that's kind of an extreme test because obviously there are breaking points for everything and nothing's meant to not break at right. all you know just like when it comes to motors and stuff like that you know they eventually will overheat and so but yeah i think if you test it with enough things which again for me i know we've talked about this before uh wow those tires are noisy um we've talked about it before with uh how i like to do things like very simple And uh, I like I like things to be simple, unique, and clean, and like somewhat robust. And so for me, I like the kind of reliability of something simple. You know, how you talked about having a chair that's gonna have the motor and recline and have bearings and stuff. I prefer to have a chair that's fully welded doesn't move uh -huh. like may not be as neat but I don't have to worry about stuff like that breaking now there are certain designs where I will go into something like that you know I'm not like putting it out completely but especially for like in the beginning like I want to make a couple basically just steadfast sturdy never gonna fall apart mm -hmm. like to hand it down to your grandkids type shit that I know is gonna like work and kinda get me off the ground and be fine less moving parts um, less things to fail just kind of simple clean design and so that's kind of the road that I take um, but I know that you like to make things more extravagant more complicated but I mean that's part of how you design things, you know, and the shit that you make, I've seen the stuff that you've made and it's super awesome. And that's one of the reasons that it's super awesome is because you don't go with just the everyday kind of same ideas that everybody has, you know, I'm not going to deny that because yes, I mean, I can't get out of my head a lot of times. I just have to make it cool. But this chair thing, I'm actually trying to go as simple as possible, but I have my favorite chair in the house 
So the chair I was telling you about that it's it's kind of a, a swinging rocking chair and it has a footstool and it reclines as well. It's like it almost just seems like a must to me. That is my favorite chair. And so the chair I want to make, <coughs> I want to be somebody else's favorite chair. And it's like sometimes I want to sit. Like when we're eating, I want to sit. And then when it's time to watch TV, I don't want to move. It's super comfy. And you recline, it's like it's a must. So that's why I've been talking about, you know, trying to make the recline mechanism as simple as possible. You know, it doesn't have to be cool. I mean, the footstool, I don't know if I told you, is basically just going to be stored underneath with wheels. It's not going to recline with the rest of it. You'll actually be able to recline with the footstool still under it. But if you want the footstool, you just pull it out and then voila, there it is. It's just kind of your old fashioned ottoman. But it just has a storage place, and once it's stored, it looks like one complete kind of thing. So, I mean, it's definitely simple, but you know, I feel like this has to be... It's not... You wouldn't do that to a, a, a kitchen chair or, a, you know, in your dining room. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be a chair. Yeah, and So that's chair. where you get to be like, okay, this is, you know, it's going to be sturdy. It's going to last forever, but I feel like this has to be... Complicated. It <laughs> it's just got to have that function. It's got to have the the two in one thing because this is supposed to be kind of a lounge chair, very comfy. A relaxing chair. I don't know how that'll throw it off when you have the cold steel armrests, <laughs> and I don't want to do the the wrap that I talked about because yeah. it's gonna seem kind of grandma-y. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess that's where I'll just put it together and see if I like it. don't want to do that was put the whole thing together and then like sit on it and be like no this sucks this is i don't even want to sell all. it yeah like maybe all the excitement that's in my head won't come to fruition when i'm finally done with it yeah like, maybe i'm sure shit it's gonna look cool but yeah maybe yeah it's definitely gonna look cool definitely maybe try to make like almost a mock-up non-moving one first to see if the base chair is comfortable yeah because, like, it doesn't matter how cool the moving mechanism is. If it's in the closed position and somebody wants to sit down and it's, like, a weird angle or the arms are too high or too low. You know, we've all sat in those chairs where it's, like, yeah. something just doesn't fit my body right about uh -huh. this chair. Yeah. Maybe, like, do that. Maybe make it in a way so that the feature can be added onto it so you don't have to, like, completely redo something. But make it so that you can kind of place the pieces in there and, like, okay, yeah, that fits. And then have a couple people sit in it because that's another thing, too with making furniture and you only have yourself and you're making it yourself typically you're going to make something that feels right to you uh -huh. but everybody's body type is different so i was going to say i'm six two so yeah. i'm worried that if this chair fits me it's not going to be as good as i think it is yeah like i've made so I'm gonna have to get even even something sit in it. <laughs> even it well, I'll, I'll bring izzy over uh even as simple as like an apron i made an apron uh, just a waxed canvas apron that I sewed up uh, just a simple one for like cooking and I put it on and it fit me like perfectly like across the chest and, it, and an apron is a pretty simple thing and they make ones that are kind of universal for everybody but with the waxed canvas being like a little bit thicker it's more comfy if it's kind of fitted to you and so it, it, it fit me pretty well and then I put it on uh, my girlfriend and she's um, pretty short and it was like too wide across here and the length was okay but like the the top part was a little too wide and then i put it on 
uh, one of my other friends who's a big frame dude and the top was good. The size around the sides were good, but it was really short on him, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. so having things where you can either find a sweet spot where it can kind of fit everybody or kind of having different size things that tailor to different people, you know, and that goes kind of product to product with a chair that's that complicated. You're not going to make different size chairs. You're going to just kind of find a mm-hmm. comfy size that's you know that's how furniture places do it yeah that's something i've noted i didn't know what the dimensions would be so i just looked up measurements online and it seems like they're all pretty much the same yeah yeah that, that's helpful i do that sometimes too when it comes to certain products i'm like i don't i don't have a starting point uh-huh. i need to at least get like a base point and then i can tweak it but right. like I, do i make it 60 inches or do i make it 24 inches like, right. i don't know so yeah i like doing that too so you've already made several projects but what's your first one that you plan on selling the bench that I just completed I want to try and sell that but another fear for me is shipping like I'm I'm a weirdo like I hate shipping (laughs) I hate mailing things well like I just like I don't understand it I bet that's one of those things that once you do it, you figure it out. Yeah, it's like, I want like, eBay for the same reason. Yeah, I mean, like, that's simple. I mean, a little G.I. Joe or something like that. Yeah. How hard is that to ship? It's yeah. not, but it's freaky. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's like, I, I got a, do I get work. a box for it? Do I get an envelope? I don't know. And then you like got I, a yeah. bench. Yeah, That thing's exactly. not going to fold up either. No, yeah, so it's, it's just solidly a big bench, so it's like, it's like, well, what do I do? Do I, I've never done it before. It's just something that I haven't done. It's kind of a fear for me, and so once I step out and and do it i just don't want to jump out there and be like hey who's ready to buy this somebody in georgia buys it and then i'm like uh <laughs> crap uh i forgot to tell you it's going to be 50 dollars in shipping because i don't know how to ship and i didn't know i didn't factor that in you know can you just say plus shipping is that good enough or you can but it, i mean yeah i guess that works i guess that's what most places shipping do. rates vary but I think like I think like on Etsy, I think Etsy does, is pretty smart about it. I think they have it to where you put in the dimensions and the weight of the item, and it will actually give you a shipping price. Yeah. And then all you have to do is like box it up, and I think you like print out a sticker or like a print out a thing or something from them, and it all just gets taken out or paid through them somehow. So it almost sounds like that's what you need to do is to most of the time the manufacturer has to create like a special crate i mean this is just a stool yeah. so you could probably just get away with maybe a, a heavy duty box yeah or something. i think i think a box with like a bunch of padding and wrapping inside so you gotta sure do like that stable. you gotta make your box and then you're gonna have to figure out how to weigh it so we might have to go in on a, a scale like a decent like a little shipping scale or something yeah i don't think like, like one a of those ones scale is gonna work but yeah like one of those ones that they have it like the vet would be cool. Yeah. Because it's just like a big flat or the scale. Airport. Yeah. Wonder yeah, how much that the, goes. Yeah, where the fuck do you put that too? I don't know. Hopefully, it's something you can just or, store. Or something or too something. that I thought about was one of those like hoist scales. It's like a dial. Oh, okay. And then you can like just cherry pick it. So if you have like a giant table, you can just hook up straps to the center point and just pick it up off the ground. And it's just hanging by that thing and you can weigh it. Yeah, we can do that. What's kind of the range on those? Any idea? I'm sure they make. Like you could do ones. a big ass table, but what? I'm sure you they want make to weigh your ones. stool. Is it? 
But I mean, work? my my stool is light enough to where I could just step on a scale, bathroom scale, figure it out. Right. Just hold just it. Round up. Yeah. And then subtract it. Weigh yourself. I'm 400 pounds right now, and now with the chair, I'm 372. Wait, what? What happened? <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to ask. I got some friends that work in furniture. I'll have to ask them how they weigh their stuff for shipping. Please do. And if you know, we haven't gotten any comments yet. That's really sad. I don't want to sound whiny. So come on. I mean, I've gotten a couple, you know, the you nice have, ones. But... You gotta have people watching the videos before they comment. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody's watching, nobody's gonna comment. But that's alright. In like four years, we'll have like a hundred solid followers. And, <laughs> and then we'll look back on these videos and Shooting be like, for the yeah, stars. that's where it's all started, right there. It's just, it's just staying persistent, trudging through. Joe Rogan said it on this podcast. He was on the other day. He was like, he's like, a lot of people think that like I'm special or something. He's like, anybody can do what I do. You just have to keep going. It's just trudging through shit uh-huh. just you just don't stop you just keep going and just that not quitting you get to where you're going eventually you just it just can be slow and just grinding away but you get there that's funny because I thought I heard somebody recently say that you know Joe Rogan's great but you gotta be somebody really special in order to to be able to achieve that yeah. So Joe Rogan himself says. Yeah, Joe Rogan says nay. Well, this very well may be that magic podcast number. Yeah. Thirteen. I've heard that a couple places now. One, I think the first one was from you, mm-hmm. and then I just heard it from uh, Aubrey Marcus. Maybe that's where you heard it as well. But could be that most podcasts don't make it to or beyond episode thirteen. I think yeah. this might be it. So. That said, this may be our last podcast ever. It's been nice. I like that sound. <laughs> it's probably like Allison messaging you, asking if she can sell your stuff faster. Please hold that thought. This is an exciting message. Oh, what is it? I made a... Uh, I often, often, like when buying cars and stuff like that, I'll lowball the crap out of them, and it's not, you know, trying to be mean you know because I'm, I'm not a mean guy but I will you know from a business sense I'll be like you know what I feel it's better for me to give you my offer even though it's way too low mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll even straight up say it's like look Just I'm see. sorry I'm not trying to lowball you I'm not trying to irritate you whatever this is what I can afford right now I just wanted you to know that and get back to me sometime you know if you don't sell it in like a couple weeks or something like that and my offer starts to sound a little bit better you know, I don't want you to even answer right now. I even said on this one, I was like, you know, no response necessary. I just want to let you know that, you know, this is... Anyways, it was uh, the the metal cutting uh, bandsaw that we've been talking about. What? Yeah, it's really freaking old, but he says it's been in storage for 10 years. So, I mean, that's that's pretty old already. And he used to use it all the time. And he just recently fired it up and oiled up everything. And it seems to be running great. But, I mean, they, they're still making them, and it looks like the new ones are the same model. I mean, it even has the same name, but you, like, look at them. It's like you can see, like, some newness on them, like some mm-hmm. fancy covers here mm-hmm. and all that. But, what like, all the main it? mechanisms, 
um, uh, Wellsaw. Yeah, Wellsaw. Wellsaw model number 58B. So they won't be able to see it. I'm gonna have to figure out how to put that on the screen. That's cool. Whoa, yeah, that thing is old looking, but it looks like one of those things that's like old and robust and like lasts forever. Uh -huh. It's one of those ones that operates in both positions, you know, it acts as a kind of a chop saw and then it goes vertically and then you can use it as a... Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. But, I mean, he's asking almost 500 bucks for it and I was like, hey, this guy's in Kingman too. It was kind of cool to offer up was like, here's some search results for people outside your area that we thought you may want to, yeah. you know, look at. And I was like, oh, heck, there's a Kingman. That's, you know, that's a good hour and a half, two hours away, I think. But I'm like, shit, you know, I'll try. I told him, I was like, I don't mean to lowball you. And I realize it's way more, it's, it's worth more than that, but I've got 250 bucks I'd be willing to spend and it's really far away from me. And, you know, driving that far, I'm basically going to be guaranteed to buy it. So I don't want to, I don't want to drive to Cayman and look at it and then come back with nothing. So basically it's like 250 bucks is, I was looking at and he wrote me back, but. What did he say? What did he say? He said, is this against the law to tell you what somebody else said on a podcast? No. I'm sure this guy doesn't, well, I won't give his name. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He said, uh, I will be back in Kingman on the 1st. I will think about it, but I don't think I'll let it go for that cheap. I'm willing to negotiate, but that's cutting my price in half, yes. So, think about it, and when I come back on the 1st, we'll see. So that's cool. I, I'm completely happy with that, because kind of when I'm when I'm cutting somebody's price in half, I'm I'm already expecting. I don't get attached to it. I'm like, yeah. I'm expecting them to say no. But every so once in a while, man, people are like, yeah. Yeah, I think if you let them sit on that for a while, it'll go. I've been like that with stuff. I get like attached. And I'm like, ah, oh. like no, I'm not gonna go that low. I'm not gonna go that low. And then I'm like, dang, I should have sold it. <laughs> yeah. Because it just ends up like sitting around. And it's like, ah. Oh. That's a cool thing about being patient, if you're patient. I mean, it's happened with cars several times where I will do exactly that, and it'll be like a month and a half later, completely gone out of your mind, and they're like, hey, you still interested in that truck? I was like, yes, yeah, yeah. I gave you the price that I'd be willing to pay, because, I mean, friggin' killer price. Yeah. And they just had time to marinate on it. And mm -hmm. It's Couldn't one of those things it. where if you don't yeah. need it right now, yeah, you can kind of just, I mean, I don't need it but it would definitely make our lives a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. It's one of my big concerns right now is just these 90 degree angles on this chair. So I just on like one inch tube and stuff, I try to make a one inch or, or a 45 in them and I put them yeah. together mm -hmm. and like I can get the 45 perfect because I got the jig now, but it's like the welding surface. It's like it's touching on the bottom and it's like too wide on the top because my angle was, so, was yeah. weird. So yeah. I'm trying to figure out how Yesterday, all day, I was just putting my 45 degree angle thing on it, just trying to figure out how do I get this absolutely perfect. This is three inches, it's gonna be that much harder to try to get those to line up, I think. Yeah. Or maybe not, but. One trick is uh, you just gap it a little bit. You cut your angle. Uh -huh. Video on this like tip video that I saw. <clears throat> you cut your 45s, put them in your jig, your true square jig. Instead of butting them up, pull them back so that they're not touching at any point. And you know they're at a 45, you tack it, and then you just fully weld it, fill the gap. 
get a good weld out of it though. Like, to me, I feel like this my welds are going to be ground down, like many, I'm sure. But I still want to start with a good weld. And if they're not the same on both sides, like if I have a 16th inch gap on one side, which makes a really good weld on this kind of stuff, but then it's like eighth inch on the other side, I'm gonna have to like do some kind of weave thing to get it to close up, and then so the welds are gonna look different. Well, I mean, once you get once you get a consistent cut, it won't be that bad. Like with my, with my saw, I can get I can get a good 45 on it. Maybe I do just need to get one of those. Then. Yeah, I mean they're quick and cheap, and they make it so much easier to cut and hand cutting it all. I feel like we just went on a tangent, and most of it won't be able to be followed by most people. It's all right. I would just leave it all in there. Don't really matter. It's usually how podcasts go. It's just full of tangents. There's a, there's actually a podcast called Tangentially Speaking. What is that? All they do? I think They're so. It's bullshit with, uh, about stuff like this. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's Christopher Ryan, Chris Ryan, um, the dude who wrote that book, Sex at Dawn. Nope. He's he's uh, it's like a psychologist or something, and he just talks about different stuff but I think on his podcast I haven't actually listened to it I need to I like a lot of his stuff he's been on Joe Rogan and he's been on Aubrey Marcus and I've had him on Duncan's I've heard him on Duncan Trussell's podcast mm-hmm. and I've always liked it so <clears throat> I'll have to check his out but yeah I think his is called Tangentially Speaking I'll have to look that up maybe get some uh, pointers yeah I think we should sever this one and... I think so alright alright kiddos See you on the flip side. Stay pretty.